It's time for another holiday hot mess episode of Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason. So get ready to join us as we bust out of the Christmas closet. Happy January, everyone. You know, it's honestly that time of year where most of our cast goes on vacation. So Mrs. Claus is on vacation. Ned's on vacation. Mrs. Nesbitt's on vacation. You know who's not on vacation? Me. I'm not on vacation. So I'm here with you, and that's fine. Um, You know, we have a really good show lined up for you. Uh, Some of our folks went ahead and recorded some things before they left. Some did not. So you won't hear from everybody today, but that's okay. On this episode, we're going to discuss an ugly tradition in our festive fun fact. Mrs. Claus creates a tasty new dip. Mrs. Nesbitt's here with a new book review. And we're going to see if the Christmas tree train is a classic or not-so-classic Christmas special. And just a little reminder, remember our show is not for younger listeners, as we are, you know, we use some language, and we talk about some things, and some adult themes, and we say some things that could definitely land us on Santa's naughty list. So let's get on with the show and start things off with our festive fun fact. Everybody needs a Christmas sweater And ugly Christmas sweaters are the best They're festive and they're neat And no outfit is complete Without some Merry Christmas on your chest Well, hello, my holiday elves. I hope you all had a fun Christmas celebration last month. I hope you got to go spend some time with your family, maybe go to a Christmas party or two like yours truly. Even with COVID, you know, we were all still able for the most part to get together and see each other. And it was really great. You know, it has gotten actually pretty cold here in Missouri where I live. So I thought for this month's festive fun fact that we should get ready to get creative 
and warmed up because we are going to talk about that garishly fun event, the ugly Christmas sweater. Yeah, it's time. I've been wanting to talk about it for a while, couldn't figure out the right time, and I thought, you know what, now is the time. Let's do it. Let's talk about this. Now, the debate of when the ugly Christmas sweater began is kind of a big one. Christmas-themed sweaters or pullovers or jumpers started showing up in the 1950s, and these were originally called Jingle Bell sweaters, and they weren't as crazy as today. So they were kind of a little bit more subdued, maybe with a snowflake pattern across it. Um, something like that. So it wasn't anything crazy like we have. And they really didn't make a big hit in stores or with people. They just kind of were there. Some people wore them. Some people didn't. Um, at some point, some some folks like Andy Williams began wearing them on his shows. But it really wasn't until the 1980s that ugly Christmas sweaters really became more mainstream. And that's because they became part of pop culture with movies and TV shows using them in their holiday episodes. In fact, one of my favorite Christmas movies is The National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And in that, Chevy Chase's Clark Griswold wore quite a few of them. So soon after that, sweaters started popping up at office parties and in family events. But they weren't what we know them as today. These were, again, still a little bit more subdued, still a little bit more be a snowflake pattern, maybe a Christmas tree pattern if you were lucky, but just a kind of a, a holiday sweater, if you will. Then all of a sudden, back in the 90s, Christmas sweaters went back into the closet. But by the turn of the new century, they started to make another comeback, but more tongue-in-cheek, if you will. Now, according to a book I found, The Ugly Christmas Sweater Party Book, The Definitive Guide to Getting Your Ugly On, Christmas Sweater Parties Started to Happen Again. And according to the book, which by the way, we'll have linked in the show notes, so you can go and, and purchase it, which I highly recommend that you should do. The first sweater get-together took place in Vancouver, British Columbia in 2002. Once people began to see that funny, comedic side of things... Christmas sweaters started popping up all over, and big-name designers like Dolce & Gabbana got involved, and stores began flooding their racks with them, which is why we see them so much today. And even celebrities like Taylor Swift and Jimmy Fallon get in on the act with ugly Christmas sweaters as well. In fact, if you're a fan of Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show, they do have a regular segment on there uh, called 12 Days of Christmas Sweaters. So even that has shown how much it's hit mainstream. In the past on my show, I've mentioned that I host an annual Christmas party, and one of our biggest events in that party is our Ugly Sweater Contest. I try to encourage my friends to get as creative as possible. Uh, A lot of them will purchase sweaters. Some of them will make their own. This past year, we had a duo sweater competition, uh, which was great. We had duos show up, which was fantastic. Um, The winner usually receives some booze. And they also sign a boxed ugly sweater Barbie doll that I found in a resale shop. Literally, it's an 80s Barbie with her own ugly Christmas sweater on it. It is fantastic. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go out and look for it on eBay. You will find it. Just put in there Christmas sweater Barbie or ugly sweater Barbie. And uh, so they sign it so that we have a year log, basically, of who won each year that we started doing this. Again, my friends go crazy for it. I go crazy for it. In fact, I make a new sweater every year for fun as well. Some are family friendly. Like this year, I placed um, 
some gnome ornaments all around it and had some lettering and things like that. And then I found some beard ornaments that light up and my beard isn't long enough yet. I'm not Santa style yet, but the gnomes beards were. So I clipped on some, some blinking ornament lights onto those two. And it was super cute, super tacky and super fun. I learned how to make my Christmas sweaters from our very dear friend, Christmas Carol, our own Christmas crafting queen, who I'm told, by the way, uh, we'll be back very soon from her tour slash vacation. Uh, she always told me that all you need is a glue gun, an idea, and of course, a visit to the Dollar Tree. Now, some of my sweaters are family friendly, and again, some of them are just not. They are not family friendly, and that's okay. You know, my party is for adults, so I encourage my friends to to go a little risque, if you will. Um, if you need some inspiration for dirty holiday sweaters... <laughs> if you can see me doing quotes, uh, just Google dirty, ugly sweaters. And uh, trust me, you will see things that will make you gasp and be careful. Watch out for the Rudolph one. Whoo, that is that is a brave uh, individual. You know, something's actually made it when it gets its own holiday. And don't forget to mark your calendars for the third Friday in December, because that is National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. So the third Friday in December, celebrate with me. I'll be wearing an office appropriate one because it's a Friday and I'm pretty sure I'm working. So um, get your office uh, office friends to join in or host a party that night and uh, make sure everybody brings an ugly sweater. Yeah. Now I have a question for all of you. Do you wear ugly sweaters for Christmas? If so, I would love to see them. Uh, please feel free to snap a photo of your ugly sweater and we will... Um, if you email those to us at keepingtheyuletidegay at gmail.com, we'll be sure to post those ugly sweater photos on our Facebook page for Gabbing with Gason. So please make sure you get those into us. And I would love it if there are any other customs or festive fun facts you'd like us to talk about. So again, you can also still email us at keepingtheyuletidegay at gmail.com. Grab a blanket, a hot cup of tea, and settle in for Mrs. Nesbitt's Holiday Books for your Holiday Book Nook. Oh, gee. Here I am again. Oh, well, I'm recording this before we go on vacation. I don't know if you know this. We kind of closed down the pole. There's a skeleton crew. Skeleton crew. Not actual skeletons. No. But there's a skeleton crew. They go on vacation uh, in February. So they got to work a little bit longer. A little bit longer. That's okay. That's all right. We still love them. We're very, we're very fortunate that they chose that shift. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we all went on vacation. Uh, a Gason said, "We'll just record something before you leave." And so I thought, okay, I can do that. I can do that. You know, I just gotta manage my time a little bit between the library and and this show, and it's fine. It's fine. So I'm very excited to be back. It's me, Mrs. Nesbit, Lorraine Nesbit, but call me Mrs. Nesbit. And again, I'm the librarian at the North Pole. So listen, I'm going to do a short review on a short story called Eight Nights of December from the Gay Romance Holiday Collection by Kiara Andrews. Okay? All right? We, we reviewed her the last time. Yeah, we did. We did. Okay? Now, again, Kiara does not shy away from the dirty language. All right? It's, it's out there. She just says what's on her mind. And that's okay. That's all right. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm over the initial shock, okay? 
the initial shock was there for the first story. I've got it, girl. I get you. I understand where you're going now. Anyway, here we go. All right, let's talk about the plot, okay? So listen, in this story, we meet a college freshman named Lucas who is not out of the closet yet to anyone, especially his straight kind of douchey roommate, a senior who's an attractive athlete, Shaka, who's also a partier, Shaka, named Sam. Now, I know what you're thinking. He's probably lusting after the roommate, right? We're going to go down that trope. No, that's not it. Kira throws us a curveball. Trust me on this. So on the morning after the last day of class, Sam's mother comes by to pick him up. And she finally meets Lucas. And she finds out Lucas has nowhere to spend the holidays because both of his parents have passed away. Yeah, it's very sad. There's a whole part about it. It's very sad. All right, very sad. So she pretty much demands that he spend the holidays with her family and they're going to be celebrating Hanukkah. Yeah, well, he doesn't know about Hanukkah. So he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not really getting a choice. She's very domineering, all right? Anyway, once they get to Sam's home, she informs Lucas that he's going to have to share a bedroom with Sam's younger brother, Nate. Mm-hmm. Now, he's the exact opposite of Sam. Yeah. Except, you know, he's also in perfectly great shape. Okay, Kiara, we're getting it, all right? All the boys are hot. Now, he likes computers and video games and especially photography. Lucas... Of course, here's a twist. He's not in love with Sam, but he immediately becomes attracted to Nate. And he accidentally, in some quotes, sees Nate having some private time in the shower. Mm-hmm. Sees him in the shower at the family home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. This scene, this scene right here, left me a little hot and bothered. Just a little bit now. I'm a little bit hot and bothered, okay? Just a little bit. Soon, Nate invites Sam into the dark room to show him how his, his photography works and, you know, to, to develop some photos. And, and, and for some reason, there's this whole idea. They bring in a pastry into the dark room, which I don't understand. Why would you bring the pastry into the dark room? Whatever. It, it's a jelly-filled pastry, and it squirts jelly, and they make a mess, and all of a sudden, shaka again, they end up making out. Do they stop there? No. She gets real descriptive here of what else happens. I'm not going to tell you. You got to read the book. I'm not going to tell you. So they spend the next day. So they spend the next several days together hanging out. And it's clear. It's clear that Lucas is definitely in to Nate. It's very clear. All right. He's got a big crush. They keep spending time together. They keep going off alone together. They keep doing the things that they're doing together. All right. It was a lot. It was a lot of doing the things. Okay. It was a lot. Maybe too much. Maybe too much, Kara. Maybe too much. I like a little bit more romance. This was a lot more of the sex. Let's just be honest. That's what it was. It's, what it, it's fine. It's fine. It's what it was. Anyway, Nate can clearly tell that Lucas is into him. But Nate, all right, little, little nasty Nate here. Little Nate says he doesn't want a boyfriend. And he tells him this several times. Before and after, helping Lucas, you know, experiment with his newfound identity. Yeah. And of course, there's a big argument, hurt feelings, a random trip to the zoo that causes a lot of tears. All right. Then we've got two times to coming out. We got a nice little epilogue at the end. All right. It's a short story, eight chapters, one for each night, and then there's the epilogue. Okay. 
All right, it's a short story. You're getting a short review. It's a short story. All right. So listen, for the plot, I'm going to give this one a meh. Yeah. It wasn't that exciting. It really wasn't. You know, it was just kind of a, a filler. I expected a little bit more. I'm going to be honest. I expected a little bit more. Yeah, I did. The characters overall, they're a meh. You know, Lucas is a likable character. The others, including the romantic lead, Nate, they're not my favorite. Yeah. Little Nate, he comes off uh, quite self-centered and a little kind of almost shady at one point. Yeah, I don't like it. And then, you know, Sam and his parents, they're very, they're very one-dimensional. Yeah, there's not a lot to them. The dad follows the dad trope. The mom follows the mom trope. It's, uh, yeah, it's just very meh. Let's talk about the eroticism because that's why you're listening. We know that's what you're doing. It's fine. It's fine. Just because there's some naughty scenes with a lot of naughty words doesn't necessarily make it an erotic story. All right? You gotta have something behind it. I don't know if this was her first. This could have been a first story. Maybe she, she was starting out as a writer here. I don't know. It's not a big deal. Just not my favorite. Th- th- this one's a total myth, though. It's myth. I'm not, I, I would not go back and read this story again. I'm going to tell you right now. I would not go back. I did find myself wanting to go back and read Where the Love Light Leams again. There was, there was more character development. The eroticism was there. That one made me talk to Joey, my husband, and say, Joey, come to the bedroom. We got to have a conversation. This one, this one, I was like, Joey, you make me some tea? Will you make me some tea, Joey? That's where we were at. It is something to keep me up because the story was not. You didn't want the main characters together. Not the way that Nate was treating Lucas. You didn't want that. In fact, I'm going to tell you, it probably would have been a better story if they didn't end up together. Spoiler. Anyway, I'd rather Lucas had found a great guy that would have loved him. Yeah, I don't know. I tried to get Joey to read it. He didn't want to read it. He said, you don't look like you're enjoying yourself, Lorraine. And I said, well, you know, it's not my favorite. Anyway, I don't know how to wrap this up. I still don't know. But come back next month because we're going to review the last story of this book. There's another one in there, but I'm not going to review it. We're going to review the last story from Kiera, and it's called Santa Baby. Yes, yeah, Santa Baby. Ooh. Hunter. Here we go with these names. Kiera, Hunter. Anyway, Hunter, an experienced 20-something, takes his old holiday job back as an elf at the mall. What? I don't know. Only this year's Santa is twice his age and built like a glumpajack. And somehow they get trapped in a blizzard. Now this one, this one might, this one might get me hot and bothered. I don't know. We'll see. So come back. Until next time, this is Lorraine Nesbitt. But call me Mrs. Nesbitt. All right. I'm going on vacation. Over and out. Well, the sounds of sherry being poured lets us know it's time to head back to the Christmas kitchen for Mrs. Claus's tasty treats for your holiday fun times. Cheers. Hello, dear listeners. I'm so excited you're back in my kitchen with me once again. You know, we're only 11 months away from next Christmas. Mm. And I hope that you 
had a very special Christmas this past Christmas. Yes, I hope you got all the things you were wanting, you know, that were that were actually things that, that Santa could give. You know, sometimes people be asking for things that don't, you know, there's just not possible, right? We do toys up here, right? Sometimes we do clothes and things like that, but, you know, we don't like to give out pets, right? It's not a good idea. Please remember that. Don't encourage your children not to ask for pets from Santa, okay? It's not a good idea. But anyway, listen. As you all know, it's January, and you're not seeing me, but I'm putting it in quotes. <laughs> because when it's January, that means it's time for Mama to go on vacation. Yes, and I'm very excited about it. So, listen. I have already had a few glasses of sherry, because I am pre-celebrating, because right now it's actually December. Mm -hmm. It's actually December 30th. Here I am. The day before the New Year's party, trying to get a recording out because a certain person said I've got to have something to turn in. Because everybody's on vacation, Mrs. C. So here it is. Listen, Mama needs her vacation because my darling husband, hmm, yes, has said this year my present is some alone time with my hubby and me on the beaches of Belize. And thankfully to that little blue pill, it's going to be a happy holiday vacation for me and my chimney. I mean, we got to get on with what we're talking about. Oh my gosh, here we go. Listen, we're going to make a very quick treat today because again, Mama's got some packing to do. I've got to figure out which of my bikinis I'm taking. And who knows? I might not need them. <laughs> All right, today's tasty treat is, it's, it's delicious. I'm very excited. And it is called Mrs. C's Quick Hot Cocoa Dip. Yes, we're making a dip with hot cocoa. You're probably like, what is, this woman is drunk again. I'm never drunk. I'm always just a good time. That's what the boys... Okay, never mind. Anyway, now today's recipe makes about 15 servings. It's super easy. It's fast. I'm going to stop with the jokes because I'm already in trouble. I'm, I just know it. All right. Here's what we need today. You need a tub of thawed Cool Whip. Yes, that's what you need. Cool Whip. All right. Um, then you're going to get a jar of marshmallow fluff. Mmm, yes, look at this. You're already thinking, what's she doing? How much has she had to drink? Um, then you're going to either use a hot cocoa packet or two, depending on how much cocoa flavoring you want. I'm not going to be using the cocoa packets today. I prefer the actual dip out my powder myself. All right, so I've got the container of cocoa. Uh, one cup of mini marshmallows. And, of course, some graham crackers. Mmm, yes. Your tools today are simply this. A hand mixer, a mixing bowl, a serving bowl, a plate for your crackers, and, uh, you know, a spatula or two so you can scoop out the ingredients. Yes. All right. Now, you should already know step number one. We've been doing this for almost two years. I can't believe I still have to tell you. But get out your bottle of sherry or whatever cocktail you're going to be having. And we're going to fill it up to the top because it's vacation. Keep going. Keep going. All the way. 
Nope, we're not there yet. And oh, 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 oh. Yes. All right. We've got to cheers to ourselves because, you know, it's just us. So cheers, my holiday queers. Let's give it a little clinky clinky. <laughs> Down the hatch. You know, when you're going on vacation, you can have as much of that as you want. Yes, Gason, you hear me? You can. All right. Step number two. We're going to use our standing mixer or your hand mixer, okay? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to put in our cool whip. Let's get that tub opened. Now, I use a spatula. Please make sure your cool whip is thawed. Trust me, it will make this so much easier to make, all right? Get it all in there, get the whole tub. Now, you can easily double, quadruple, triple, whatever you want with this recipe. Just make sure that you're following the lungs, because you can get those big tubs of cube whip too. Oh my God, I'm throwing it around the kitchen. All right, next is our marshmallow fluff, or, you know, you might see it has marshmallow cream. Make sure it's not like, you know, you've kept it in a cold environment or something. You want to get it as, as gooey, but not like frozen. This is one of the loudest parts, is getting all of this out because it sticks so bad to the, to the damn spoon. Here we go. All right. Good Lord, it's just stuck there. You know, the, it, somebody ought to invent something to get marshmallow cream out of the jar easier. I don't know what that would ever be, but if you know a tip, tell me. Because it would make my life so much easier. Right, I think I've got as much as I can out. It's, it's all sticky. My God, there's so much stickiness on it. Okay. All right. We've got marshmallow cream everywhere. I even got it on my face. I don't know what to tell you. It's what happens in Mrs. C's kitchen. That's right. All right. So I'm going to get out my cocoa powder. Now, the original recipe says that you should, um, that I created says that you should do like a, a one pack of cocoa powder. That is not enough cocoa flavoring for me. So I will, you know, if I don't have the powder itself, well, then I'll just use two or three cocoa packets. You're going to have to make this a few times to decide how much cocoa you want. That's why I like to use the actual powder and not the packets, because you can just get as much as you want out. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, let's seal that back up. And we've got this in here. And it's going to get messy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it in the hand mixer real quick. I'm giving it a couple of stairs around myself. But I want it to get a good mixing. I mean, if you're a good mixer, you know, you've got those strong arms. You can do this on your own. Actually, you know what? I let it thaw just enough that it's actually pretty easy to spoon around myself. Mmm, it's getting a nice 
cocoa colour. Get all that fluff and stuff mixed together there. It smells divine. You, I wish we could do smell a, a smeller podcast, but I don't know if the technology's there, and by God, there's some people you don't want to smell. All right. We're not going to use the mixer because it worked. Shocker. I've got to get my own bowl. Certain somebody forgot. One moment. <laughs> all right. I've got it. I've got to throw it in here. And it's actually, my God, it's everywhere. Oh, my God. It's all over me. It's all over the cabinets and the, the station, the recording equipment. It's a mess. This is a disaster. But you can't see it. So for you, I'm, I'm like, no, it's not a disaster. It's perfect. Anyway, you're going to put it in your serving bowl. Make sure you got a bowl big enough. You know, because you're making quite a bit of this, you know. And again, you you can easily make more because you see how fast that was. But the key, the key, everyone, the key that you need to remember is that it's got to have the cool whip thawed. All right, you've got to thaw your cool whip. Hmm. There we go, right into the thing. Now I've got my plate, I've got my bowl on the plate, I've got it. Next we're going to do is put in our grand crackers. Now normally I make my own, but mama is on vacation, so I bought some. Because you've got to, you know, you should have a store of crackers around anyway. And what you do is you just break them like so and put them around your plate all nice like blue there we go all right perfect i got to do a couple more mixing them around the plate and then our last step is you got your bag of marshmallows because nothing goes better than with cocoa than some mini marshmallows of course so I got to I had to make the damn bag so hard to get into all right we're going to get a couple of those together oh and like every other episode with mini mellows they're all over the damn floor jeez all right and then just sprinkle them over the top to give it that extra cocoa look. I can't even tell you. There are marshmallows everywhere. But it's fine. I'm not even going to clean it up. Why? Because I'm on vacation and there's a staff for it at this point. Alright. And then you taste it. Here we go. <laughs> it's a good hunk of it on there with some mellows. Here we go. This is so good. Oh. You know, I might see if Santo bring a cooler on our trip so I can make this while we're there. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite things to make in this batch. 
honestly turned out perfect. So again, thaw your cool whip. I'm taking another cracker. <laughs> Mmm, it's so good. Okay. Listen. It's that simple, alright? Just a few steps. And you're good to go. And now I'm good to go. Cheers again, queers, because I am out of I am out of here. I'm good on vacation. I can hear the sound of the ukuleles in the background calling to me. So until next time. <laughs> Go. Merry Christmas, everyone, and happy treat tasting. Mrs. C out. The Christmas tree train is coming, bringing trees for all the kids. All the little puffer belly shakes a lot like jelly. See the smoke come from the stack as the chug, chug, chugs along the Welcome back to another classic or not so classic Christmas special review with one of my holiday guesty bestie co-hosts. You know, I'm going to start that over because I think I said hosts instead of hosts. (laughs) 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 All right, here we go again. Welcome back for another classic or not so classic Christmas special review with one of my holiday guesty bestie co-hosts. You know, we're starting off a new year and I thought we should bring on a new guesty bestie. So making her classic or not so classic Christmas special review first time appearance. It's the one and only guesty bestie Beth B. Hi. Hello. How are you? Oh, you know, I hoping that our friendship is still intact after this week's choice that you made. <laughs> you gave me the choices. So you ultimately first and foremost made that decision. I picked three things at random based on the titles. You and your psychic abilities chose this one. And that is not my fault. Well, you should pre-screen your options. <laughs> that takes away the joy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, then, we... don't, then don't complain. <laughs> You picked a dilly. That's the <laughs> word I've got to use. A dilly. A dilly. Oh my God. Um, we're really excited to talk about this month's special <laughs> uh, titled The Christmas Tree Train. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Christmas Tree Train uh, came out in 1983. All right. And we will have a link in the show notes so you can go and watch it yourself and see if you agree or disagree with us. Uh, But it came out in uh, 1983 and it was just honestly going to be a one time thing. And then it ended up spawning. I don't know if you know this, Beth. It spawned seven more sequels. What? What? Yeah. So they decided to keep going. And in 1984, they released the Halloween holiday special, which, which is which. Wait, 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 the same characters? I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, it's the same characters. Yeah, same, yes. Uh, And then in 1985, we got the Turkey Caper. 1986, we got Chucklewood Easter. And Chucklewood is where they apparently live. I had to look it up a few times. Oh, my God. 
Then they stopped for like five years, and I think they should have. Uh, but they came back with another special called The Adventure Machine in 1991, followed up by What's Up, Mom in 1992, The Valentine Special Honey Bunch in 1992. And I know you're excited, Beth. They came out with another Christmas special in 93 called Twas the Day Before Christmas. And then in 1994, uh, wrapped up their specials with School Days. And then something magical happened. Apparently, people loved the main characters so much that in 1998, they were granted their own TV series called The New Chucklewood uh, Critters. So it was an episodic show. It had two seasons. And they had uh, 26 episodes with your favorite characters. Oh my God. Seriously? I, yes, I was dead. Oh, I was like, freaking why? How? Why? I mean, I'm just going to say this, like, real quick before we actually really start talking about it. But, like, half the whole thing, half the whole thing, because that makes a ton of sense, <laughs> um, is them, I'm hungry all they did was yell i know it was so stressful like from there the was beginning. a lot of yelling yes a lot of yelling and apparently <laughs> this is this is how bad it was uh, uh, this is how bad this is apparently in 2010 chucklewood critters the show uh was uploaded as like the number one uploaded special on youtube what and so like yeah, and so they ended up purchasing some group called the Acme Crime Net, got the rights, and uh, released it on DVD. They released three volumes of the show, and I think the Christmas specials are included. You can't buy them now because I looked, because I thought of what a great Christmas gift it would be for you oh. to own a copy nope. of the Christmas Tree Train on DVD. <laughs> uh and I was sadly disappointed that it wasn't available. Now, I don't know how often this has ever been shown, but uh, clearly enough that people remembered and liked the Chucklewood Critters. And this is why we can't get past COVID. <laughs> oh my God. That got <laughs> real damn dark. I mean, I've wow. lost faith in humanity. Um, um, but so- I will say if that shows up, as a present at any point in time from you, it will be a forced tradition that you have to watch it with me every time. <laughs> so just yes, we can, before we can make it a drinking game every time one of them yells <laughs> or says they're hungry. We won't you have to take a drink. after that twenty minutes. <laughs> it was the longest twenty three minutes of my life. Seriously, it's like, definitely high up on the list. I feel like that's what it feels like ones. to have children. Sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> oh, God. Well, all right. So normally I talk about the voice cast and I'm only going to talk about the the main two voice artists in this um, show um, because, you know, I don't feel it's necessary to go through everybody and and I don't. I, I, I feel like it would just take too long to go through everybody anyway. So we're just going to go through... Um, 
the first, the two main characters. So the two main characters are Buttons, the bear cub, and uh, his foxy, sounds creepy when I say it like that. Yeah, yeah, it does. Really. The, his fox <laughs> cub friend, um, <laughs> fox's name, I can't, Rusty, <laughs> Rusty the fox. So playing Buttons, all right, who, you know, actually this person went on to have a very large career. Good for them. Um, is I'm the, surprised after all they did was scream the whole time. Well, true. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, they are a actress in a ton of video games as well as other cartoon series. Nice. And her name's Barbara Goodson. Okay. And uh, we all might know Barbara from playing the voice of Rita Repulsa on the original Power Rangers show. What? Yeah, she that was the voice sense. of Rita Repulsa. There's a lot of yelling, right? There is that uh, a lot of yelling. It's all it's all connecting. Now she has done a ton of other like video games and TV series. Um, she's pretty widely known. I did not know who she was until I started looking her up. But there is an anime show that you enjoy, and and I wrote it down, and now I can't find it. So I'm having to literally pull this up while we're talking. <laughs> uh. Sailor Moon. Yes. She was the voice of Zirconia. Okay. Is that a main character? I don't know anything about um, Sailor I'm trying to think back because I think it's a um a villain. I it sounds uh, which, like a villain. Which makes sense considering the progression here. Ah, uh, from the yelling okay. to Rita Repulsa to Yeah. Zirconia. Um yeah. but yes, um a villain, a lot of I, I could see um her voice like in that sense like working in that role so maybe. yeah yeah what's what's the show that starts with an n is it pronounced naruto or naruto, naruto? naruto yeah too. she she was in that show too okay those, those are really big shows That's yeah no she's she is there's a lot going on like her imdb credits just keep rolling it was as soon as i saw uh rita repulsa i was like all right she she did some stuff but she's still going strong um, she was most recently in some t- cartoon show called Super Crooks and in a video game, uh, part of the video game series, Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. She was a character in that as well, too. So she's still going. Um, the other main cast member, Kathy Ritter, who played Rusty the Fox, really only just played Rusty in all of the, the shows. Um <laughs> That's that's the extent. I mean, they she was in a couple of other like small off things, but nothing nothing crazy. And then uh, the gentleman who played Ranger Jones or Jonesy, mm-hmm. his name is where was his name? Bill no William Boyette, and uh, oh William has been mostly a TV actor and has been in all kinds of like TV specials. But also, he's apparently a, a Disney guy because he was in Newsies, the movie, uh, Turner and Hooch, The Rocketeer. He usually plays um, like some type of government figure. Apparently, he was on General Hospital for a couple of episodes. Oh, but yeah, I don't really feel like we have to go through the whole cast. Um, I don't know who sang the songs. Usually, I have that prepared. And I 
struggled finding who uh, performed the songs of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't, uh, I don't, I don't know about them. So Are that they, there, there was like two. Yeah. I, and that's all we got. That's all we got. That's all we have. Um, so you chose this because apparently it's a family tradition in your household to watch what? horrible specials at Christmas time. No, no. You <laughs> fed me trash. It's your fault. I blame you. Um, all right. Well, let's, it's, it's clearly no surprise at this point that we neither, neither of us enjoyed this special. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to watch and be like, what did I just watch? But yes. <laughs> I mean, in fact, your text to me did not say, what did I just watch? It was another four letter word. Oh yes. Um, yes. But I was trying to avoid getting scolded by you about having to put an <laughs> E on this episode. <laughs> Oh, this always this show always gets an E. It's okay, True. especially when it Sarah is involved. Ooh. <laughs> um, so we open up with this show, um, and this is my quote. This is my note. We open up with the dumbest lyrics ever to a song that I called the Christmas Tree Train song, and it was just really dumb. The lyrics are. I'm just glad dumb. I was not the only person that thought that. I was like, this song doesn't even make sense. Like, it doesn't. It's happening. I don't remember the lyrics. I just remember sitting there and being like, how is this? And they kind of like, there's like a chord progression in there. I'm not trying to get all fancy with this, but anyway, there's like a clearly are. A couple of notes that kind of follow, I think, Frosty the Snowman a little bit. Just for oh. like a just for like a brief second. And I'm just like, are you really gonna like uh like copy Frosty? And then nope, it like changes right after that. But then it goes into this note that like doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't flow and i'm just like what is happening it was not good and the transition wasn't good (laughs) uh we start hearing uh we get a narration from jonesy the ranger who's i don't care what his full name is he says everybody calls him jonesy and he starts telling us about the forest where he where he ranges i don't know what do you say that a ranger does what do they do they observe uh he's yeah he's like he watches for like fires and stuff well, and apparently it's called Chucklewoods, I guess. I'm really confused, yeah. but whatever. He's a ranger for Chucklewood. Yeah, so he tells us that the forest that he's in is where all the Christmas trees come from, which I would like to call as a liar. You're a liar, sir. Not all the trees come from there. Uh, and that the Christmas tree train is the train that brings the lumberjacks to the forest. And he says that he's never been on the train, but two of his friends have, and he'll let them tell us about it. But here's the thing. They never actually tell us the story. We just transcend through time. Yes. And see it happen. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That is exactly what happens. I was like, are they going (laughs) to talk? No? Okay. Nope. We're just going to go right into, like this chaos thing yeah exactly and so we see through his magic binoculars he zooms in on apparently a cave and (laughs) i said a cave commune commune oh my god well Um, sorry go ahead no go ahead i i was very intrigued by the fact that they're like cohabitation between the bear couple and the fox couple and I'm sure we'll get to that that point, but 
to talk about that. But well, it doesn't make any sense. Why would bears and foxes live together? I don't feel no. like a bear and a fox would. Well, I was like, maybe that's their like sneaky way of like saying there's like a poly family here. Like, oh, like because the women were kind of like chummy with each other. They come out. I know you're probably going to explain this, but they come out of the cave first together, and like they're kind of like, hey, hey, like, and. At first, I was like, is this a female couple? Like, and then they're like called in to the husbands, but then I was like, well, that's really interesting that they're cohabitating in the same space. And like, I don't know. Like, it was just a really interesting concept. So I was like, well, maybe this is like their sneaky way of like sneaking in a poly um, setting or something. That was not at all what I thought, but I like your explanation a lot better. (laughs) But. I mean, bears and foxes in general, I don't think would probably get along. And yeah, I feel like a bear would eat a fox, right? I think that way too. Well, I'm not really certain, but here's here's another problem I have with with already off the bat. Okay, so we meet our two stars of the show: Buttons, which is a bear cub, and Rusty, which is a fox cub. Now, what I don't understand is why Rusty the fox is walking on two legs. And I was like, well, that's weird. But then out comes mama fox and mama bear and they're walking on their two legs. And mama fox is the same size as the bear. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. They like giraffe necked her whole body. (laughs) Giraffe necked her whole body. We don't even like, like she's so long. And I was like, what the hell? Oh. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm, I don't know, this is weird. But I was like, all right, I'll go with it. And I thought, well, maybe they just made a mistake and couldn't afford to go back and fix it. And then we go into the cave and we see the dads. And the dad fox is like 100 feet tall. He's the same size as the bear. Right. Which would make sense then that that's why they're friends. Because you have a mutant fox. They're probably picked on for being weird. And the bears are like, nah, come live with us. Right. I like how tall you are. <laughs> so weird. It's, so weird. it's also one bed. Yeah! I don't that think makes you noticed so that. Much... There's I one... did, but not. I don't think it hit me as hard as it just did after your explanation. <gasps> oh. That's interesting. I mean, but, but you've watched this so many times because it's one of your favorites. Oh, that... yes. yes. How many times did you watch this? You know what? I'm this close. How many, how many times did you watch it? Over. <laughs> how many times did you watch it? I watched it three times. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have to watch it twice. Only because I was trying to find something nice to say about it. <laughs> um, okay, so it's close to hibernation time for the bear family. And Rusty tells Buttons... That you have to come see what the ranger is doing. And there's some dumb joke that I didn't even write down. And so Buttons' mom comes out. And we, not, we find out her name is Bridget. And Rusty's mom is named Rosie. So Bridget and Rosie. And they decide that, you know, the Buttons is like, can I go with Rusty? And Bridget is like, yeah, but be home in soon because it's hibernation time. And then Rosie says uh, dinner will be ready in a half an hour or something. So you got to be back. 
And then in, inside the cave, we hear Buttons' dad, Abner. What a horrible ass name is that? Abner snoring. And we meet <laughs> we meet Mr. Fox, uh, whose name is George. His names are awful. George, who just goes off and starts bitching about Abner snoring all winter long. And I was like, why, why does that bother you? And that's when I realized they all live together. Right. I did not notice the one bed until you said something. Now my brain just flashed back to it. But I, I guess in my mind, I was just like, well, maybe we're only in one of the bedrooms. Well, I mean, that's certainly possible. I'm just like. No, I think you're right. (laughs) I definitely think you're right. I wish it made me like this special more, but it doesn't. I know. Which also is not necessarily indicative of a poly like a polycule like not, they don't always like are you laughing at me and like bumping your fist on the table uh no i hit the mic oh okay I were was, you still laughing at me oh, okay no so, so i need you to say that again so i can edit that part out sorry <laughs> i thought you were laughing at me and like slapping the table no. like trying no. to hold it in um which the single bed is not necessarily indicative of a poly a polycule because they like not always share a singular bed like a lot of times they don't even cohabitate but i'm just saying like just for this cartoon's purpose like there is a singular bed with a cohabitating <laughs> like <laughs> couples and you know i don't know i just thought it was really interesting but you're right it could very well just be like one part of their space so no i think we're going with the fact that they're a polycule okay Deal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it makes it special way more interesting. I mean, for the for the five okay. minutes that the parents are on the screen, right? True. Well, then, but like, if you notice too, which is really interesting, is that I feel like throughout the movie, you you see that the the wives stick together and the guys stick together, and that's probably like common with like sets of people. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. women tend to gravitate towards women and vice versa, but like, right? Um, like I just interesting. Like the men, but the but the men, I don't know why I cannot speak. I'm so sorry. Um, the men are kind of just like, eh, at first, you know, and like the women are kind of like, oh, and then, yeah, well, we'll keep talking about it. I'm sure we'll get well, there. But. I think you're, I think you're onto something because the roles, the patriarchy roles seem to be like, oh, you know, the women are cooking and the men are relaxing. And then right. when the cubs go missing, it's the men that go out and find or try to find them. So, I mean... Well, the men at first weren't worried, and the women were like, oh, I hope they made it to the ranger station, blah, blah, blah. And then they went and told the men, and then... Yeah, you're right. Like, But then they were like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll get up from my hibernation and snoring and have to get out and go do this, because our kids are idiots. (laughs) Well, also, I don't understand how Abner was so tired... That he just slept the whole time. Like, I felt like he was sleepwalking. Like, what the hell? I don't think hibernation works like that, but I don't know. I'm not the bear. Well, I'm not a, I mean, I am a bear. But yeah, not I was going to say, the, you kind of are, Jason. Like, I, I am a bear, just not in the animal oh. sense. But grr. <laughs> but grr. <laughs> um, oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't understand that either. Like, he was un- unreasonably tired, but. I don't know. Maybe that's just like hibernation bear entitlement. 
So, you know, there is a bear event that happens every fall called hibernation for gay bears. And uh, they do not sleep during that time. (laughs) Okay. So the Cubs run off to go see Jonesy. And he's putting up lights and decorations around his watchtower. And they ask him what he's doing. So I'm going to point this out because I have a huge problem later on. Clearly, the ranger can understand the animals and they have human speech. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Okay. We're going to come back to this point later on. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, I put them up every year so Santa Claus can find me. To which the animals mishear a stupid joke. Sandy Claus. And then Rusty tries to be a comedian and says... That sounds like a bear with dirty paws. I know. Oh, with dirty nails. Like dirty what? nails. That's what it is. Yes. Dirty nails. Uh, it, it's weird. I, that was not a funny I joke. I know. I don't understand why. But also, it seems weird. I don't know. I. I don't know. And much like the rest of this episode, I don't know. Jonesy then explains that Santa brings presents and the Cubs don't understand what a present is. So he's like, oh, well, come inside and I'll show you the presents I bought my nephew and niece. And the nephew gets a a pretty nice rocking horse. I was like, that's nice. That's nice. But the niece gets a jack in the box. And I don't even know why you call it a jack in the box. I mean, it is, but it's really a bear in a box. Right. Uh And he tells the Cubs to press the button. And when they do, the bear comes flying out. And this part is, I would think, would be real. If you showed a bear a jack-in-the-box, it'd probably, you know, poop on the floor because it's so scared. (laughs) But they go flying out of the ranger's cabin, and he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. reaction. Yeah, I didn't mean to scare you. And then I'm just going to read my note. (laughs) And through a series of dumb moments, they fall down a hill. Like a With calamity, lots... like just yes, calamity after calamity, uh... and there's so much yelling, so much yelling and noise, unnecessary, like unnecessary. Yes. Okay, so here's here's another thing that pissed me off. They almost get attacked by a bobcat, <laughs> and all the bobcat does is hiss and growl at them. But my question is: is why didn't the bobcat talk? That's a really good point. It didn't talk. Yeah, you're right. But and then... it's afraid of the snow. Yes. It walked <laughs> through the snow. There's already snow on the ground. Yes. Like, and then it went after them and it stepped on another little pile and it's like, oh God, ew. Like, what is this? Oh. I'm totally going to give up this prey because I don't want my paw wet. Like, well, also. No, that doesn't happen. I can understand a bobcat going after a fox, but it's a bear cub. Like that, I I feel like the bobcat would have lost against the bear fight. cub. Yeah, I think so. Well, usually, I don't know if the bear. I mean, I don't know. I am not a bearologist. Bearologist, yeah. Um, but I I don't know. I just feel like oftentimes, like with bear cubs the mama bear is not too far off so i don't know if the baby bear would have necessarily won it probably would have been ah. right but i bet you the mama bear come and slap like slap the 
you know what you can, out of that. You can say the head. word. I've cussed multiple times. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard for me not to cuss. Like I have no, 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 you can't. This, this so. show is allowing. Oh, okay. It's a, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> <laughs> so then Buttons ends up, they run into a trash can, which is dumb. I know, because he's and, like, this is a dumb place. Like, I was so stupid of me to run into a trash can. And then the fo- uh, uh, Rusty was like, well, it's a stupid place to put a trash can. It's right by the park benches. Like, right? Like, it's, it's, that's where it goes. Like, so... I think it was another attempt at humor and then also an attempt at, if this show was kind of preachy. It was. Oh, and a little bit mansplaining at the beginning. Ooh, yes. Yes. Um, so Buttons ends up sliding. I don't even remember how. He ends up sliding down the hill on a trash can lid. And then it stops on a peak, which again, doesn't make any sense, but there's a peak. And we flash to the parents who start to get worried. And then the dads decide to go look for him. And then the cubs hear a lumberjack say something about a barn. And they think he's a farmer. And they say, oh, a farmer will help us get back home. And I was like, okay. So all humans can hear animals. <laughs> uh, no, they can't. Um... And then they hear a chainsaw and get scared and yell some more. <laughs> fall onto a pile of trees which, of Christmas trees. Which are not Christmas trees because those they are, are gigantic. Not. Those, the only places those would fit would be like Rockefeller Center and downtown like outdoor Christmas trees. Right. These are not for homes. Right. Even though I don't care like, what these, they, they bring the trees to all the kitties. Those are not home trees. Not at all. Not at all. No. So somehow they get loaded in to the train car. (laughs) And we realize that they're finally on the Christmas tree train, which we think is what this special is about. Because the name of the special is the Christmas tree train. Right. Which was very misleading because they were only on the train for about a minute and a half. And it wasn't even festive. It was not festive. Like you're right. You you thought uh, like you would think that it would be about like this happy train that's all like red and green and gold and decked out and it like saves Christmas somehow because somebody else couldn't get the trees to town and this train comes along and saves the day and Santa's really happy and like you thought like the train would be this hero. I would have watched the shit out of that. Right. That is not what happens in this. Nope. You could have written this better. I need you to redo it. Okay, deal. Take out everything that happens in Chucklewood for us. (laughs) (laughs) So inside the train car, they meet an owl who tells them that the train's going to the city. And they're like, how can you tell? And he's like, the direction of the train. (laughs) And I was like, this owl's kind of a smart ass, but I kind of like it. It's a wise owl. (laughs) The wise owl. He's a wise ass. And uh, the owl tells them, like, look, it's going to the city. And then he basically scares the hell out of them, talking about how awful people are in the city. And I was like, you're not making this nice. Right. And so 
uh, the owl says, you know, listen, I'll help you get back home. When we get to the train station, there'll be another train that'll bring us back. And all we got to do is just get on that other train. And had they done that, we could have had a whole different adventure. Totally. So then Jonesy, so the, the dads show up at Jonesy's place. Abner goes to sleep. Jonesy says, oh, you don't think they would have gotten on the train? And they're like, well, the tracks led to the train. So Jonesy calls the station manager person at the train station and asks if they've seen the two cubs. And then as soon as the door opens to unload the trees, which also doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you put trees in a covered box car and right. not in like a a flatbed and put a tarp over them but totally and the other thing too is that it's supposed to be the christmas tree train so you would think at least the conductor is kind of magical or happy or nice mm -hmm. but he was like uh, like irritated that he got a phone call from somebody to like have to go look in the train car for these mischievous wildlife and like they're not really mischievous they're more scaredy dumb yeah just yeah dumb um but You're he seemed, he was right he seemed annoyed and like grouchy about it and i was just like but you're trying to save these cute little cubs and you worked was, on the christmas tree train I, sir i know but he was just like Ugh. it's got to be one of the holliest of jolliest jobs <laughs> apparently not so the owl jumps out scares the conductor he then yells, the Cubs totally don't pay attention, get scared shitless again. He yells at the Cubs, and then they run off further into the city. And here's where I have a new set of problems. <laughs> now, I know that we live in a society today where most people are buried into their phones when they walk. This was the 80s. They weren't even buried into their pagers yet. And you're going to tell me that nobody saw a fox walking on two legs, chilling with a fat little bear cub, also walking on two legs, in the middle of downtown? <laughs> it's not like they were in New York, where you could be like, eh, it's New York. No, nobody saw this. And then they start walking through the city and they confuse buildings with cabins, which I thought was a dumb joke. Mm -hmm. And they hear a police siren and <laughs> they're like, oh, it must be an animal. It must be a city animal. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, oh you're nope. dumb. Now, here we go. Here's some more things that upset me. <laughs> I know where you're going. I just I know what you're about to say. So they get ready. They see a guy in a snowplow who looks, quote, like Jonesy. Maybe he'll tell us how to get home. They stand in front of a snowplow that literally runs them over. It hits them with the bucket. They would have been dead. Dead. <laughs> dead. So instead of killing them, it magically pushes the fat little bear cub's ass into a sewer grate. Wait, wait, wait. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yes. I just need to go back for a second. There's a lot of like 
getting slammed into with things it's like it's really a stressful movie so like just at the beginning real quick like when the 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 movie opening is happening the train comes right at the camera and like basically runs into the camera mm-hmm. and then when they're in the train the bear's like oh my god that train's coming right for us it's gonna hit us because there was like oh. another there's another train coming like on a different track so much yelling. and then the bear was like oh no seriously and the bear was like, that train came right through us. And I'm like, no, it didn't. You'd be dead. Like, stop. <laughs> but, like, he was yelling about that. And then now they got ran over by the plow. And for me, that is stressful because I actually have been hit by a car as a pedestrian. So I'm just like, why is everything getting hit by these vehicles? Like, why is there so much, like... It doesn't you know, make any sense. <laughs> It doesn't. It really doesn't. They've just so gone then, through the most traumatic thing. Well, that, that's the thing. It pushed them down a sewer. <laughs> I know. Like, if there's a series of unfortunate events, they, they experience <laughs> But, like, they fall, all right? So, in every movie, even in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're a good 12 feet below the earth, right? <laughs> so, like, if you were to fall from a grate, you're going to hurt yourself even if you land on your butt. Right. You're still going to be in pain. They got up like it was nothing. But maybe at this point, they're so used to being beaten around that they were just like, meh. <laughs> right. I mean, their adrenaline's probably still going because they're scared of every single thing. Everything. And then <laughs> I I got tired of the city as a, as a forest jokes real quick when they said uh, they're watching the sewer, right? It's a sewer. And they're like, the people up above must really hate rivers. Why would they put this underground? And I was like, this is so dumb. That's not even a funny joke. Just get out of the damn sewer. Seriously, I know. I don't understand. Now, here's something else fascinating. They figure out how to get out of the sewer with no direction whatsoever. And also know how to climb a ladder. (laughs) And open a manhole cover. But yet, they don't know what the hell a sewer is. (laughs) There's no logic. And I get that I'm looking at it through an adult's eyes, but come on, kids are not that dumb. I know, like, it, it's just really, it's really stressful. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you're like it's stressful and I'm like I can hate everything about this. I just I will tell you right now if I was a kid even back in the 80s when I was a kid if you would have put this on I would have got up in the first 10 minutes and did something else. I would have not sat through this as a kid. There's no way. I agree. I I don't think I would have either. I mean I tolerated it now just because it is what it is, but like I didn't like screaming as a child either. Yeah. Like same. so sitting there and like listening to that, it's kind of like I can't I can't handle this. Like, why are you yelling about this? Why are you panicking? If you would have just taken a second to step back and be like, Oh, that thing isn't mm-hmm. coming after me, you would have avoided this whole dumb situation in the first place. But no, you have to go run off and get run over by a plow and get stuck in a train and end up in a sewer. Like, no, no. It doesn't make sense. Here's another thing that doesn't make sense. (laughs) They finally get up to the top of the street and they're like, I'm hungry. 
and they end up in an alley and they see what I refer to as an army of cats. There's like 20 cats eating from a trash can. And they're like, do you think they'll share? And instead of walking up and saying, hey, fellas, hey, friends, hey, cats, the cats simply turn around and get ready to fight them. But they don't speak. They just hiss and howl at them. And I'm like, are only bears and foxes in this universe allowed to speak? Right. Every other animal cannot. It makes no sense. It makes none. Also, you are a bear. Yeah, I know you're just a bear cub. You could have beat five of those cats in a second. Totally. One swipe of that paw would have scared the rest of those cats away. It totally would have. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I, and also, that's like the fifth time that they've mentioned that they were hungry. And... <laughs> Mind you, when they were still in the forest, the fox was like, gee, gee, golly, I'm still, I'm kind of hungry. And the bear's like, how do you think about being hungry at a time like this? And then the whole rest of the freaking show, the bear is like, I'm hungry. I'm gee, hungry. golly. Like, <laughs> that's how they talk in there. Um, but they were trying to be Scooby-Doo. Were they? No. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's It's got like... Well, okay, that actually does make a little bit of sense because the two guys that directed this were former Hanna-Barbera employees. Oh, that makes so much sense. I thought, like, yeah, okay. That yeah. makes sense. So, because even with the animation style, it kind of makes sense, Yeah, too, yeah. That's right? Frozen I background. You can tell when the animation's going to happen, what's going to move. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, it kind of has that feel. Like, and I feel like they were trying to be kind of, uh, like, because... Scooby-Doo has some witty things that they say and it's kind of, mm -hmm. sometimes it's kind of dry. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is the right terminology, like slapstick maybe. I don't know. No, totally slapstick. But like, but in here they were like trying that, like they were tipping, dipping their toes and trying to do that, but they just completely like fell in the whole ass ice lake. <laughs> they got ran over by the snowplow. I don't know. Something. I would have loved it if these two fell in the ice lake and didn't survive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, I don't remember what happened. I, I just made a note that said, I, no, it's not derailing, but speaking of rails, uh, <laughs> there was a mishap with the subway. Like they were back in the ground and they make this joke about, gosh, even the trains are underground here or some stupid thing right, about the subway. Why do they always hide everything underground here? It's so dumb. Somehow they end up in an alleyway <laughs> just relaxing on boxes, which. I again <laughs> I can understand maybe not seeing a fox. It's a bear cub. They're the size of a toddler. <laughs> yep. And they all they're relaxed on these boxes filled with stuffed teddy bears that legitly look exactly like buttons. Yes. Okay. And okay, sorry, go ahead. Like I'll let you finish your sentence, but I was gonna add something there. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. This bear is scared of every single thing else except for a stuffed <laughs> bear that looks exactly like him. That would be freaking me the F out. Like, <laughs> forget the jack-in-the-box or, um, you know, the other, like, the chainsaw and stuff. A stuffed bear that looks just like your, like, your outsides? What the yeah. F? That's, that's messed up. I love that that's where you went with it. Um, then they get, okay, so the boxes get lowered down, because we're back downstairs again. 
They get lowered down to the storeroom of a, of a toy store. It, it takes forever to figure out it's an actual toy store, but it's a toy store. And people are like fawning over Buttons, thinking that Buttons is a stuffed animal. Here's my next problem. You're holding a stuffed bear and you're holding Buttons. And are you telling me that you can't tell the weight difference between a stuffed bear and a 90-pound animal? I know. And the 90-pound animal probably smells bad, too. Like, what yeah. the heck? Oh, he's just adorable. I love him. No. What the hell? It doesn't make any sense. This movie makes no sense, and I think that's why I get irritated with it. Right. I could have dealt with all the yelling. I could have dealt with the dumb jokes. I can't deal with the fact that your storyline makes no sense. Because my next question is, why did Buttons and and the Fox, whose name I cannot remember now, why, Rusty, why did they act like stuffed animals? They've already talked to Jonesy and he can understand them. There are three adults you could have spoken to in this scene alone. Right? Why did you not try talking to them? Totally. You talked to Jonesy? And I get, maybe he's a little batshit crazy, but still. <laughs> um, on that on that note, in that moment that the guy is holding the stuffed bear and then buttons, it did not freak these dudes out that the fox's eyes were moving back and forth. And I know that <laughs> I know that um, I know that Rusty was trying to pretend like like he was an animated toy, basically. But that was terrifying. I'm like. That is creepy as, uh, like... Again, I, I agree with you. How would you not tell the weight of a fox compared to the weight of a stuffed animal? I don't get it. I... I... Now, now we come to one of the dumbest things about this. <laughs> one of the dumbest things. There's this asshole kid that shows up out of nowhere, right? Yes. And he's like, can oh, I God. hold the bear? And he's like, you can't, you can't, what? She's like, well, you can hold it for just for a second, but it's very expensive. Ma'am, it's a real animal. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid couldn't tell the difference about how, I mean, the kid should have been struggling with how Tol- Buttons is fat, all right? The, and how do we know Buttons is fat? Because the kid calls Buttons fat. And if I was Buttons, I would have been offended. Totally. But so also, then the kid. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was I'm just out. like, screw that kid. <laughs> he is little, an asshole. Effer. He he jabs Buttons in the butt in the belly. I said effer, not. Heifer, like I just wanted to be clear about that. Like it could have been like misconstrued, and I would never ever say that about anyone or anything. No, no. I said no. that little effer. I was trying not to say no, the f word at least, even That's though it's okay. hard. It's all good. Okay, anyway, I'm you know what? What? No. Yeah, he just he jabbed he jabbed buttons and the belly button, and that just brings a whole new aggravating meaning to don't poke the bear. Oh, that's good. I didn't even think about don't poke the bear. Oh, that's funny. Maybe that was another attempt on their part to try and be funny, but you know. 
I mean, well, maybe they should have said that joke because that would have been that would have been much more funny, right? Um, like if that lady would be like, now remember, don't poke the bear. Right. I would have laughed. Right. Okay, that would have been funny, and then he would have poked the bear anyway because he's a little snotty brat. And yeah, that would have been a moment of laughter. So he pokes him really hard, and Buttons and Rusty run through the store, and the two adults are like, "Oh my god, they were real <laughs> animals." I, you couldn't tell, really. And so they're like, well, let's go find them this way. And you hear the lady character go, well, let's go to the cafeteria. Animals can't resist food. Wait, wait. Before that, the, I think it was before that, they were trying to hide. Oh, yeah. They were hiding in a fur coat. That's right. They were hiding in a fur coat. In a fur coat. And the fox was acting like one of those... Like a stole, like a yeah, yeah. I, is that what it's called? I am not fashion I think savvy. It's a stole. Yeah, I think it's a stole. Okay, yeah. So it's just like, oh my god, like how horrible is that? They just hid in like a real fur coat. <laughs> they just come up in the carcass of some other unlucky animal. Exactly. Like that is just wrong. <laughs> uh, so they run into the cafeteria. The adults do, and they try to. They talk to these two random women, who both have hot dogs. Of which promptly Rusty and Button steal. And the lady's like, somebody turn a hot dog. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. It's so dumb. Oh. And then they eat their hot dogs and they end up in the Christmas window display. Which is set up to look like a giant toy filled winter wonderland. Now... In just a second, I'm going to talk about the one thing I did like. There's only one thing I liked about this. We quickly pan back to the parents and the ranger, who are still worrying about the kids, except for Abner, who we have to see is still sleeping. That scene could have been cut because it didn't matter. Didn't need to be there. But what I liked is, is that when the store opens the window up and turns on the lights, you see this really awesome toy wonderland that I would have liked as a kid if I saw it. I think that For would sure. be cool. That was probably the best scene. You know, just to see like all the animated toys. And then Buttons and Rusty kind of wake up and join in and act like animatronic toys. <laughs> and they do this ridiculous dance number that I did laugh about. But we get our only song in the entire show besides the credits which I called It's Snowing, It's Snowing, because that's what she said like 400 times. It's a great surprise when you open up your eyes and the dreams that you dream appear. It's snowing, it's snowing. Though that was the better of the two songs. But, I 100% agree. But yes, I, I agree. I did like the song. Yes. And I liked that scene. It went on way too long, but I liked the scene. For sure. 
like if the whole movie had been kind of surrounded in that type of feel i think it would have been a lot better like that part to me felt like a christmas classic but the rest of the movie made no sense whatsoever i did not have that feel i mean it was literally stress like the whole time until that moment yeah it was it was to me it was the only moment that felt like a christmas special out of this whole thing exactly I agree. Because this whole thing felt like just an episode of a cartoon. It didn't feel like there was much Christmas happening. Agreed. And definitely no train. Oh, I don't... Yeah. There's no damn train. (laughs) Um, So Buttons and Rusty dance around and they play in the display. um, And all of a sudden a crowd gathers outside of kids and adults and they love it. And then (laughs) my note is apparently people in this city are too dumb to realize that they're real animals. Um, a news crew shows up. <laughs> this is how dumb this is. Clearly, there's nothing else going on for this news station to cover, but the unveiling of a Christmas story window, a Christmas toy store. I think I said just said Christmas story, a Christmas toy store window display, and they do a live report about it because they're so impressed with the real life looking bear and fox. You all are dumb human beings. How do you not know that's not a real, that's that's a real bear? Right. How do you not know? Right. And then, apparently, whatever channel they're breaking into regularly scheduled programming on to show a damn toy store window display is the same channel that the parents and Jonesy are watching. And they're like, it's the kids! And Jonesy's like, oh, you know what? I have a random friend that works there. Right. (laughs) And I was like... (sighs) Seriously, I know. Like, Ranger Jonesy knows everyone, apparently. Um, Everybody. But I I also forgot to mention this earlier. Can I bring something else up, too? Yes. I love how the the kids ran off because they were scared of the -the jack-in-the-box. And... The ranger was like, no, wait, I didn't mean to scare you. Come back. And then, like, just didn't care what happened to them. Like, he didn't go after them, didn't go in his lookout tower. Oh, totally. He just left it like, ah, whatevs. Like, what no big deal. They ran off. They were terrified. But I'm not going to look for them. It's about to snow. Like, forget that. Nobody cares. Like, we could have avoided the whole thing if he would have just followed their little paw prints. Yeah. No, no nobody cares. No, nobody cares. Um, I'm not even going to go he... tell the parents that they ran off. <laughs> No, he's not even, no, no. He's just like, well, they're animals. They're fine. They'll find their way back. So the guy he's talking to is dressed like Santa. And he is talking to Jonesy on the phone. And that asshole kid from earlier shows up in the stock room to say that he thinks uh, the guy dressed like Santa, that he thinks his whiskers are fake. Which doesn't make any sense. Like it's, I was like, okay, so is this kid going to do something? I know. I was wondering about it too. So creepy. This weird bratty kid what does that well, mean yeah because what does that kind of i don't know mean? i thought oh is he gonna do something to stop this guy from rescuing buttons and and rusty is this where we're and i was like this nothing can clearly happen because i paused it to see how much longer this damn thing was right and there was only like three minutes left and i was like well, what the hell is he gonna do in three minutes I know, but what did he mean by that comment i don't know because then he was like i knew they were fake what what like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, is he talking about Santa's whiskers? Because that's weird. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about Santa's whiskers being fake. That's what I thought. That's weird. 
And I thought, okay, well, this kid's going to be an asshole. And then the guy dressed like Santa goes into the window display and tells Buttons and Rusty to come with him so he can take him home. He's the first person that they've talked to. Anybody else could have been like, yeah, let's get you home. But no, these two assholes had to sit there and run around and be dipshits for half an hour. Right. Instead of just talking to somebody. <laughs> so we find out he's the real Santa because he takes them up the chimney, which the little asshole kid is kind of watching. And then as soon as they're up the chimney, we never see that kid again. Right. Okay. Also, like, he was, why was he behind the couch? I don't like, know. He popped up behind the couch. And then also, did you notice the big, nasty, overflowing, gross ashtray of cigarettes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But here's my other question. How many department stores do you know have working fireplaces? Right? Like, where is this back room with this couch, like this kind of drab couch and like the, all these cigarettes? Like, what happens back here? Why is there a fireplace? And who's not paying attention to this little asshole kid? Right? So then we see up on the, they get up to the rooftop. We realize it's real, this is the real Santa, all the reindeer up there. And he says, okay, we're going to head home. And he says, you know, we're going a little bit early for my flight, but it's okay. And um, the only line that I thought was funny and that I only got like a smirk out of was Santa said, you know, after 12 months, I'm, I'm a little rusty. And Button says, too rusty. After 12 months, you'll be a big rusty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little rusty after 12 months. In 12 months, you'll be a big rusty. Not bad for a bear. It's so uh, which, which like, has no, like, it just, it was funny, but it was also just so random. Like, that was unnecessary. And it wasn't, to me, I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't funny enough to, like, make sense in necessarily putting it there. If I mean, I had to rewind it because I didn't, I didn't get it the first time. I was like, what did he say? So... The parents tell uh, Jonesy that they don't know about this Sandy Claus. They do the same joke, which didn't wasn't funny the first time. It's surely not going to be as funny the second time with the parents saying it. And then all of a sudden, Buttons and Rusty drop down the chimney. <laughs> They're kind of thrown yeah. down the chimney, I feel like. I feel like Santa's like, this will teach you to the assholes to stay no. home. <laughs> Uh, they have cute little bow ties. I know that. On, I did think that was a nice cute. touch. That was really cute. Um, yes. And then Dad Abner finally wakes up and asks if it's spring, and they say no. It's and then you hear Santa say Merry Christmas, and then the cast all shouts and Happy New Year. And I'm still annoyed. How the hell do they know what New Year is, but they didn't know what Christmas right? was? It doesn't make any sense. And then the damn thing ends finally with Santa flying by the moon. Yes. And we are, we are over. And there's... And we get a, a reprise <laughs> of the Christmas tree song. The Christmas right. train. Christmas tree And there train. is no train. No. There's nothing. We don't even see the train again. It just goes to the credits. I just... I... 
I mean, I don't. What? <laughs> I can't even find my words. There's not a lot of things that make me not have a lot of words, but this movie, I was like, what? What did I just watch? There's literally. I think that's what I texted you after the first time I watched it. I was like, what the Yeah, because I texted watch? you and I was like, what the F? And then you were like, you're like, I'm going to watch it soon. Like, you know, and you texted me immediately after you watched it. And you were like, what did I what the F? watch? <laughs> it was awful. Um, what were your first thoughts at the beginning? Did you like that style? Are you a fan of the 80s style yeah, animation? I mean, I, or no? I liked it. I mean, I don't. Like the animation to me was fine. Um, like the I thought the the characters were cute, like drawn cute, you know. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I thought that was good. And um, like that was fine. And I I get what the feel they were trying to have with the music, which they didn't quite hit the hit the nail on the head with, obviously. Um, but. <laughs> The initial thing for me was I knew this movie was going to be stressful when the train came right at the camera. That's true. Yeah. Well, and I like the fact that both of us already said if we were kids and we watched this, we would have done something else. This would not have kept me entertained. And, oh my god, it's Um, only 23 minutes long, but as a kid, this would have felt like three hours. It felt like three hours as an adult. It really did, but like as a child, I'm just like... Oh, yeah, this would have been the never-ending story and not the good one. (laughs) It's like... Uh, Did you have any, like, favorite... Sorry, I was trying to think of Atreus' horse's name. Um, Ajax. Ajax? Wasn't it Ajax? Wasn't it it Atreus and Ajax? I don't know. Why is the horse named after a cleaning agent? Well, you okay. know, it was the 80s. People were high a lot. There was a lot of Coke okay. back then and not the kind okay. of drink. Um, anyway, it's just like constantly the horse sinking in the, the tar pit, like the whole movie. With that, so not only did that scene destroy your childhood, <laughs> but watching the Christmas tree train also would have destroyed your childhood. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's definitely, they just could have just named it something else and it might have been better. Yeah, they should have named it Rusty and Buttons, like Christmas Adventure, which is still misleading, but would have been better than the Christmas tree train. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you have any favorite quotes or scenes at all? I mean, I didn't really have any favorite um, things per se. I was just going to point out some of the silly things that they said, which we already went over when we were conversing about it. So, like the Sandy Claus comment and the. The bear uh, buttons mm-hmm. was like it makes me think like of, of a bear with thirty nails, and I was just like, "That's so <laughs> weird, so stupid, so stupid." <laughs> well, did you notice any gay or hidden gay characters or elements? I, I mean, you did bring up the the polyamory aspect. Yeah, I said no because I was so bitter that I don't want any anyone in the community associated with this movie. <laughs> I, well, true, but I, I don't know. I, and I'm just probably reaching at straws there, like saying, oh, what if it's, you know, like a, a, a hidden, you know, thing of, of about Polly. But mm-hmm. if I had to dig and I had to find something about it, like I would say that, you know what I mean? And 
and yeah. then you could also same thing could go for like the two ladies in the lunchroom um but they they could have literally had any oh, kind yeah, of they, relation they but they were sitting next to each other yeah. instead of across mm-hmm. or like whatever i mean mm-hmm. but you know uh that's what i kind of came to the conclusion of if i had to like look mm-hmm. for something or try and put something together that's what i saw well, I appreciate the fact you tried to put something together because God knows I didn't. I was, I think I was just so over it that I just was like, I don't, right. I don't care. I know I had such a hard <laughs> time care. like finding information to share regarding like the reflection, you know, reflection of this movie and the things that you wanted to talk about. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know how to answer these because I do not have a favorite quote. I mean, I feel like you've learned a valuable lesson, which is. Go with your second choice. I mean, I learned a valuable question, which is research. (laughs) You should research your choices. You offer your... No. Absolutely. It takes away the fun and excitement of something I've never seen. But then you have to sit through things like this. Ah, Well, you know, hey. Um, So on a scale of one to five, with five being the best, how many rainbow candy canes would you give this special? Um... I would say, like, I'm trying to be nice because I'm trying to be nice. Why? You have well, it Well, true. I think probably a two and a half or three, like. <coughs> oh, my God. I was taking a drink. Well, you deserved it because you made me have it. Why? Because, um, uh. Our scores are completely different. Um, I just they, I give them the animation was fine, um, which I thought mm. was was great, um, and like I don't know, I don't know why I'm giving a two and a half or three. I'm just being nice. You are because I would give it a half of a cane. <laughs> Damn. You just gave him a peppermint. Like, you're not even giving him a peppermint. And the only reason is because I like that song, the It's yeah. Snowing scene. That's the only reason. Everything else I Yeah, hate, I mean, I think, so. I think most of my candy cane stems from that scene. I thought that was kind of nice and it that felt like something from a Christmas special. Um, and I thought the animation was fine. Like, I. So, I do. I did enjoy the animation, um, which I liked, and that's important to me because there will be times where I will turn something off if I don't really care for the animation style. Um, yeah. So, you know, I thought that was fine. I mean, that was that was watchable, um, and uh, what else? I don't know. Part of it's me just being I, nice. The other part is that I like the an- the animation style was fine, and that that one song was okay with the Christmas scene. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I'm a bitch, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Would you classify this as a classic or not so classic special? Meaning, would you watch it year after year at Christmas? Um, no, not so classic. Same. I, I'm glad it's not purchasable because if it was, you would have gotten it for sure. Well, your ass would have been but... over here having to watch it with me. <laughs> we could have watched this and the Adventures of Candy Claus. Um, yeah. um, 
God, so awful, awful shows. Well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show. I I am so happy you chose one of your favorite specials for us to watch. <laughs> thank and you. really, there's it's never too early to say it, but there is one thing I do have to say before you go. Merry Christmas, oh, Beth. Merry Christmas, Jason. My favorite Jason. We'll see you next yeah, time. See you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. episode here in a Christmas memory or tradition, so I invited my friend Beth back to tell us one of hers. If you'd like to share a Christmas memory, don't forget to email us at keepingtheyuletidegay at gmail.com, or you can simply leave us a 60-second voicemail at anchor.fm slash keepingtheyuletidegay. My favorite Christmas tradition is that my family has always, um, always really enjoyed the excitement that is Christmas Eve and to Christmas morning and the excitement of Santa Claus coming. And um, that's just always been something we've really embraced. Um, So on Christmas Eve, we would start off by playing games together, board games, Trivial Pursuit, and just um, Uno, uh, all of those you know, old school games that everyone really enjoys. And we'd always have such a grand time with that. And we would each open one gift, which um, oftentimes was uh, like pajama pants or a pajama set or a stuffed animal. Um, And then following that, you know, we would have snacks, we would make snacks or we would have snacks during our games and uh, we would go to bed. And I, always remember waking up and bugging my parents at one in the morning. Can we go in the front yet? Can we go in the front yet? And that was always a thing. And as we got older, um, everyone would always pick on me about that. But even as we got older, um, the tradition was that if my sister was out of state or I was out of state or we both were, we would always try and make it back for Christmas. And um, we would always still sleep in my bedroom and my parents um, would get up in the middle of the night and still put out unwrapped presents at the fireplace. And um, we would still leave out milk and cookies and we would um, sleep, you know, as we got older, sleep through the night. <laughs> and every morning, every Christmas morning, my parents would get up before us and go sit in their respective spots. And my sister and I, and um, as Mallory came into my life, um, also Mallory, we would um, walk into the living room and there would be surprises from Santa there at the fireplace and stockings full of great things and fun knickknacks. And following that we would um, all open presents together. And um, just, we did that 
I am 36 now. We did that for 34 years until COVID hit. Um, and then my mom passed, but that is a memory that I will, um, always, always, always take with me is that tradition of Christmas Eve, um, family game night and into the morning where we always still celebrated the tradition of Santa Claus having come and um, left gifts and goodies for us and then doing our gift exchange um, that morning early with coffee in hand and um, breakfast following that. So it's always going to be a cherished memory forever. Well, that wraps up this month's episode. Thank you again for listening to Keeping the Little Tide Gay. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to be notified when new episodes air. We hope you come back for our next episode as we continue to put the mess in Christmas. Bye. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Yule Tide Gay. Don't forget, if you need more Gason in your life, to listen to my other podcast, Gabbing with Gason, on all podcast apps. And you can find more information about me and our shows at gabbingwithgason.com. The first Noel, old Christmas tree, we wish you a Merry Christmas, bring a torch, Isabella, the 12 Days of Christmas, and Silent Night, the Disco Edition are provided by freexmasmb3.com. Other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of the individual copyright holders.